Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I woke up at 5 a.m. Put on my camouflage. Wiped off my 243 and fired up my Dodge. Headed out to my Welcome back to Jim Strader Outdoors, everybody, for hour number two, which if you're just joining us, we are doing open lines tonight. The numbers for you to call are 571-8484 or 1-800-444-8484. If you were out in the woods this weekend for the early muzzleloader season or chose to hunt with a bow, which many of my friends did, Love to hear from you, what you saw, what you didn't see. As I mentioned, the first hour was awful hot, windy, and a full moon, all of which are kind of bad juju for a memorable deer hunt. But we deal with it, and it is what it is. And I'm sure someone out there had an excellent hunt. This is normally the period where a lot of bucks are still together and kind of roaming around, getting used to the fact that the rut's coming, so... Some way, somewhere, somehow, someone obviously had a good hunt. We had a caller in the first hour that harvested a mature doe, another young lady that I'm familiar with that hunts with us a good bit that harvested a mature doe. So there's been some fun had out there, and it was a great way to be outdoors instead of sitting on the couch. I'm not much on that couch time myself. Let's talk to Michael. He's calling from Nelson County. Michael, thank you so much for being patient during news break. Welcome aboard. No problem. Thank you all for having me. Uh, I have a, it's kind of a complex question, and I promise it won't take an hour to do it. <laughs> all right. All right. Um, my wife just inherited um, some land and a house, and um, uh, unfortunately her mother passed away, so we inherited 28 acres uh, in in Nelson County. Uh, there's everybody or or all the farmers around or around our farm all lease out and everything like that. Um, my problem is is we've got twenty acres, which is a hayfield, and very little uh, mature trees and everything like that. My question is, how can I get the bucks and those to come in? I mean, yeah, they're in at night whenever you're not allowed to hunt. But during the day, it's you very rarely see them. Okay, let me ask you: the surrounding acreage, what what butts up to you? What's uh, 
you know, is it cropland? Is it hardwood? Is it mixed timber? What is it? Um, on one corner, uh, down at the bottom, it's all briars and, and brush and a creek. All right, that's which good, sounds great. Yeah, that's a good thing. Um, but on the other side of it is um, it's a very large farm uh, full of timber and everything like that with a road in between that kind of borders it. All right. Does the timber border you? Uh, it's probably about 50 feet from the from the road. Okay. But yeah, it, it does. It does border me. Yes. Okay. Go ahead then. Uh, on the other side of me is a pretty busy highway. Okay. Uh, and then it's farmland the rest of the way around. All right. Uh, what's hitting me in the face as a recommendation to you will probably make some sense. So bear with me as I try to explain it, given the way okay. you described the property. North, north, south, east, or west, where is that road that's fairly busy? Which side uh, of the property the, the is it? The road travels east to west. The road travels east to west. Okay. Yes. And is it on the south side or the north side? It is on the north side of the property. Okay. That's probably a good thing. All right. Here's well, let's see here. Uh, let's see. The sun rises in which direction? East. East. Okay, so the road is east of the house. The reason why I say that is because the sun rises and the sun's in our eyes. Okay. Well, <laughs> uh, so that that would be east, Michael. <laughs> okay, so that's east, and so that would mean that the road runs north and south. Okay. All right. All right. Let me redirect it. It runs north and south. Sorry about that. That's all right. Does. That's not a problem. Is it on the morning sun side of the property or the other side? The road or the house? The road. The road is on the rising sun side. Okay, it's on the east side. All right, good. I'm going to make this simple for you. If I were to manage that property for you or make a suggestion about how to manage it, I would buffer the area on that road side with warm season grasses. Uh, and okay. I'd, I'd want them to be at least 50 to maybe 75 yards wide to where people going up down that road can't see into your property anymore. You've got head-high, warm-season grasses, okay? Okay. Uh, that'll do a lot to protect what you're going to create there. On the interior, okay. I would grow some year-round food type, probably clover, uh, in conjunction with some food plot items that you could rotate out, if you will, uh, in the fall of the period. Clover is there for them, you know, spring, summer, early fall. I'd have some winter food in there for them, and it'd be fairly significant amount of it. Uh, There's a lot of mixes you can grow. My partners and I have a mix we use at Wildlife Habitat Solutions. It's a mixture of radishes, turnips, clover, dwarf Essex rape, uh, winter wheat, winter oats, uh, and and some uh, clover in that mix. 
that provides really good forage for the deer in the cold portion of the year. On okay. the other side, on your property edges, I'd probably do the same. Are you a gun hunter or a bow hunter? Um, all. I love to bow hunt. I love to muzzle, muzzle on, uh, crossbow, um, recurve. Okay. I'd rather shoot a recurve rather than uh, the compound. However, um, I have no uh, favorites. Okay. Those those alleys of warm season grass, then a wide food plot, warm season grass, then a wide food plot, buffering your edges from your neighbors in the road, in my opinion, will create a tremendous attractive bedding area for the deer from the surrounding properties you're describing, number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, those food plots will become an easy in-and-out type of uh, feeding an opportunity for those deer. And early in the season when uh, the acorns aren't dropping yet and you're bow hunting, those green plants are going to be super attractive to those deer. And you'll probably find that you've got some opportunities for uh, hunting out of ground blinds in situations like that where you can tuck them into those warm season grass plots on the downwind side. Uh-huh. and enjoy some of that activity. Then in gun season, you can hunt, you know, the perimeters either from a tree or or at the end, the downwind side of the ends of those food plots. And 28 acres is more than enough ground for you to create a real little honey hole right there. Uh, that's what I've been told. Uh, I mean, I've got a, um, a small 4 by 8 trailer, and I've got my blinds. Actually, it's actually like a deer house mounted on top of it. I just move it around wherever I need to. Okay. <laughs> Which yeah, a lot of people say it's crazy because, you know, it's something new, and so the deer would be more stressed out over it. Well, Is that true or false? <laughs> the, I much prefer with something like that to let them get used to it if I can, but uh, during the rut, you're seeing a lot of bucks that are just cruising. You don't know what's there from the past. The main thing is you got to stay off their wind. You know, the wind's right. everything. And I'd try to maybe create some little cubby holes in those warm season grass areas where you can back it in there and it'll kind of blend in, if you will. And you, I'd, I'd paint it to match the grasses. I'd have vertical paint that would make it literally look like uh, a warm season grass clump. Okay. All right. All right. I thank you so much. I enjoy your program. Every time I I hear you, I turn it up so I can, uh, I don't catch you every time, but as many times as I can. Well, bless your heart for when you can. When you can, I got news, good news. You can get us on podcast. Just go to whas.com, put in Strader, S-T-R-A-D-E-R, as your search word, and bingo, we'll be there for you. So Great. This new age of electronic wizardry we're enjoying. It does have its benefits at times. And that's All right, Michael. All right. Thank you so much. Y'all have a great day. God bless you. And everybody have a good hunt. Thanks, partner. God bless you as well. This break is presented by Paul Thomas, my buddy at Mossy Oak Properties, Heart Realty, down in Mumfordville, Kentucky. Folks, if you have a dream property in your head and you're ready to pursue that dream, I promise you, you will benefit from talking with this gentleman and looking at the multitude of outdoor properties that they've got for sale. They've got probably one of the most extensive 
listings of hunting, fishing, and farming properties in the state. They're experts at what they do. Most importantly, they're friends of mine. You will be treated well. You will not be exaggerated in what they tell you, and they can even help you with financing. It's Mossy Oak Properties, Hart Realty. Check out their listings. I think you'll be impressed. You can bring them up on the web at M-O-P-H-A-R-T Realty.com. Welcome back to Jim Strader Outdoors. Open lines. If you'd like to talk to us tonight, call us at 571-8484-1-800-444-8484. You know, I was just talking to that gentleman about the warm season grasses uh, and what an adjunct they are to a small property, especially one that lays, at least in my mind's eye, the way his does. And I want to expand on that a bit because there's warm season grasses and there's warm season grasses. <laughs> and he wants to avoid some of the things like big blue stem and what have you that tend to lodge, what we call lodging, that occurs when snow or storms will knock it over. And then it's not upright and doesn't you know, serve as the type of uh, cover that we desire switchgrass uh, with some other things mixed in it is one of the most excellent uh, types of cover for deer and rabbits and, and turkeys to nest in, for example. And we do a lot of those mixes at Wildlife Habitat Solutions. So if any of you all would like consultation or, most importantly, need help planting your warm season grass plots, we can certainly help you out. That's my partners are experts in growing warm season grasses. They're the best I've ever met, actually, and they grow them for a living. They actually grow uh, these plants for seed production. So they're very, very accomplished at it, and they understand what it takes, and we do have the implements to do the right type of plantings, and we can help you to do them in a timely fashion. So if any of you need help out there, that's something we'll be glad to do. And if you just need consultation, we'll be glad to to work with you as well. You can check us out on on the web. It's Wildlife Habitat Solutions. And uh, we're on Facebook and Twitter and all those magic things that, uh, quite frankly, drive me half crazy. But that's because I'm a low-tech redneck and part of the older generation that wasn't raised on that stuff. But at any rate, we're there for you if you've got questions We'd be glad to answer them, and we can certainly uh, do the planning and the implementation for you if you need that as well. Small properties, I hear more and more about it. Uh, lots of folks are at a stage in their life when they have enough money, they want to have their own property to manage. And I will tell you, 10 to 20-acre parcels in the right situation can definitely be a magic little hunting hole for you to hunt and enjoy a limited amount of hunting opportunity. Obviously, it's not going to be like larger tracks where you can put in multiple types of food plots and what have you, but 20-some-odd acres, the way that gentleman was describing it, with uh, visual barriers to surrounding neighbors and or uh, a road, a county road that's uh, obviously going to attract 
unfortunately, poaching activity, if they see a lot of deer ganged up, are the way to buffer those spots. And they're also a great way to create bedding habitat for the deer. And then when they got food right there adjacent to it, uh, and you leave it alone, you don't, you know, overhunt it or booger it up, they can be magic. I'm telling you, we have put in a lot of those types of areas for folks and seen tremendous results from it. And it's really fun to watch a small property like that draw deer from other areas and uh, harbor some of the biggest deer in the area. Uh, One of the things we've discovered, as a matter of fact, we were having a long conversation about this today, is a lot of deer managers are under what I consider a mistaken impression that the more does you have, the better. Uh, They like to see lots and lots of deer. And that's, quite frankly, not the case at all. Um, You need to have an amount of deer on your property that can utilize the food sources and stay in good shape year-round. And if you have sufficient food and real good cover and water, water's one of the things I didn't mention that individual. If he doesn't have water, he needs to put a small pond in there strategically placed east of most of the property where the west wind will allow him to hunt the east side and not have the deer smelling. Those become very, very important, and you need to think about where to put that pond to maximize its draw for the deer. At any rate, I digress. What you want to do with these properties and these food placements is provide food and cover for bucks. Bucks tend to mingle better with bedding does and feeding does in areas with warm grass food, warm grass sanctuary spots a little better than they do in most hardwood types, uh, clear-cut areas, for example, are pretty good at allowing those and bucks to mix. But what most folks don't realize is that bucks, when they're out of hard antler, are pretty meek animals. And during the breeding cycle in the summer period, mature does will actually run them out of an area to provide an opportune situation for their does to, their fawns to have enough food. On the flip side of that coin, the more bucks you have, there becomes an intense competition for the does. And that's what put bucks on their feet during daylight hours when they're vulnerable to hunting pressure. If there's 20 and 30 does using your food plots every evening, chances are the mature bucks know that all they got to do is wait till dark 30, you are gone, and they've got a whole field full of does that they can breed all night long and be back in their sanctuary well before day breaks. So while a number of does is good and can create movement, a more balanced situation actually puts the bucks on their feet, increases uh, daytime activity, both fighting, cruising, and mating activity that's optimal. So uh, Mother Nature's closer to one-on-one in her natural state. So that's what you need to remember. Folks, we got to go to the news break here. This break is presented by my friends at SMI Marine, just north of the Gene Snyder on Westport Road. They're ready to get your boat ready for winter. 
you want to beat the rush, get on in there and see them. They've also got a lot of boats on sale. And remember, you never get soaked by my friends at SMI Marine. If your house was on fire, the most precious possession you would save first would undoubtedly be your family pet. Next to family, they're one of the most important parts of our lives, and that's exactly why I trust my pet's health and happiness to Dr. Kurt Oliver and his staff at Linden Animal Clinic. I know firsthand Dr. Oliver's surgical and diagnostic skills are extraordinary, just what you need when your pet's in need. From the time his nurturing staff greets you at the door, you'll know that Linden Animal Clinic is the place to trust with your pets, just like I trust them with mine. Linden Animal Clinic, 1000 Linden Lane, 425-5834, or check them out at lindenanimalclinic.com. I don't know anyone who loves the outdoors who doesn't have a dream property in the back of their mind. It might be a secluded cabin on a river or stream, a small farm with lakes or ponds teeming with fish, or a wildlife management property with mixed timber and farm ground loaded with deer, turkey, and other wildlife. Paul Thomason and his family at Mossy Oak Properties Hart Realty can make all these dreams come true. They've been doing so for 36 years. Mossy Oak Properties Hart Realty is located in Munfordville, right in the heart of Central Kentucky's fish and wildlife mecca. They specialize in recreation properties, farms, and lake and riverfront getaways. Make your dreams a reality. Give Paul Thomas at Mossy Oak Properties Heart Realty a call at 270-524-1980 or check them on the web at mophartrealty.com. That's mophartrealty.com. And we're back on Jim Strader Outdoors. Again, the numbers tonight, if you'd like to reach us, if you have questions or comments about deer, ducks, turkeys, fish, whatever the case may be, be glad to talk to you. The numbers, 571-8484-1800-444-8484. I want to have an additional comment or additional bit of information about the deer management situation, bucks, versus number of does, and it's something that I learned, gosh, 30 years ago managing some properties in in, uh, north-central Kentucky where we had an overabundance of does, and we went in and started taking them out, and it's something that sunk in with me very rapidly, and I've never forgotten it since. I'm sure if you've hunted deer very much, you've noticed that in October, uh, right about now and a little later, how the adult does become very aggressive towards the button bucks in the deer herd in their immediate area. And it's because they're kicking them off. They recognize them as a male now. And those little button bucks go through a huge dispersal period, especially in areas where there's too many does. What this does, it creates a buck vacuum if you will, on your property where the number of young bucks that would have stayed there and enjoyed that as as home turf are forced to disperse over very wide areas. And while it is nature's way for them to kick them off, if you've got a more balanced herd in your area, 
there's a greater chance that more young bucks are going to live on your property year-round and develop into local bucks that three, four, five years down the road are the type of deer that we all lust after. So I guess what I'm trying to say is there's kind of this mistaken notion by some folks that having a whole lot of does is the best way to attract bucks to your property. While I cannot deny that in many instances a mature buck will come there and become visible in daylight hours, I can assure you if you watch the outdoor shows on the Outdoor Channel or some of these other uh, venues, you can bet that on those properties where you see those folks knocking down those big bucks, there's a much closer of one-to-one or two-to-one ratio of bucks to does than there is on most of the areas where we hunt where we have way too many does per buck. Uh, And the reason for that is when the bucks have to compete for the does, they ramble more and they're more visible during daylight hours. So for what it's worth, that's Jimbo's take, and I'm sure there's some of you that disagree with that. More power to you. Stare at those big number of does and hope a big one will roll through during daylight. It suits me just fine. I know how I'm going to play the game, and uh, it's it's worked very, very well for me. And, and honestly, all the more astute wildlife managers that I know that I talk to practice a very, very concerted harvest of does on their properties every year, and they do see their buck-to-doe ratios uh, climb on their properties, and they do see a lot more of their deer stay there and mature into great big buck deer that are huntable throughout most of the year instead of just a roaming buck during the peak of the rut. So uh, just want to expound on that concept a little bit, and I hope it's making sense and sinking in for some of you. I've got several properties that I manage where we're going through that already this year. And and while all of us love knocking down a big buck, I got to tell you, hunting big mature does is a heck of a lot of fun. And those slick heads are good to eat. I love uh, venison. And it's a great way to, to uh, harvest some of nature's bounty, get your herd in better uh, balance. And just have a heck of a lot of fun out there. So uh, it's a great way to take youngsters out and let them enjoy knocking down their first deer or two. It's a great way for you to bow hunt or muzzleload hunt and expand your your opportunities if you tend to only hunt one certain way. And, uh, again, it, it's uh, something you can see a pretty rapid change in the way deer relate to and utilize your property if you start to manage in a in a smart way, and we all know about the need to harvest those, but some of us tend to be a little bit too protective, and and uh, in the long run, that's not really what you're what you're aiming at. Food sources are changing rapidly. Uh, I mentioned earlier, and I'm sure any of you who've been in the woods are aware, the acres are just raining out right now. I mean, they're they're more readily available early in October this year that I can remember in a long, long time. The red oak species in particular are dropping lots and lots of acorns, and there's still a lot of them on the trees. I was watching squirrels rattle around in the, in the oaks yesterday evening uh, when I was out, 
and there's tons of nuts still up in the trees, and it'll continue to be that way until the foliage starts to drop. And uh, so there's been an excellent start to the deer's ability to fatten up leading towards rut. Turkeys are really waxing fat back in the areas. They're eating the heck out of those acorns. Uh, raccoons are scarfing them up. Obviously, the squirrels are going crazy over them. So it's a very abundant time of year. Uh, I would encourage you, if you want to participate in the uh, fall turkey season, the shotgun season for turkeys, which opens next weekend here in Kentucky, I think you're going to see some of your best luck in the oak groves. Uh, the turkeys are using uh, fields a bit, but they're really gobbling up on acorns right now. And a really fun way to hunt them is to, uh, they're vocal. You can hear them. You know, they're they're calcing and talking back to each other. The young are extremely vocal. And you can sneak up on them, flush them, shoot a gun, holler at them, get them scattered, go to where the last turkeys you heard landed and start to do some soft calling. And uh, it's pretty easy to bring them back up to you. And it's a really fun, aggressive way to hunt and a, a super way to enjoy some wild turkey at the dinner table. And I'll probably be fooling with some of that for some because I love to eat wild turkey. I find it to be superior in every regard to domestic turkey. It's moisture meat, very tightly fleshed, and I really enjoy uh, smoking it or cutting it in fingers and frying it in a skillet. There's a variety of ways that, that I love to prepare it. Man, it is really, really good. So a lot of opportunity out here, and I hope you're able to get out and enjoy yourselves and see what I've been seeing, which is a pretty bountiful year, uh, bearing lots of fruit for those of us who like to go to the woods to harvest game for the table. I'm going to go to break here real quick, folks. This break is presented by SMI Marine. Just north of the Snyder on Westport Road is right off the Snyder, so they're real easy to find. They're your best bet for all your boat and marine repairs. Get over there and get your boat ready for winter. Beat the rush. They're ready for you, and they can get you in and out in a very quick manner. And they've also got a lot of their pontoon boats and express aluminum boats for sale. And remember, you never get soaked by my friends at SMI Marine. This is Gary Roman. Whenever I'm on Jim's show, I get lots of questions like, what shotgun should I buy? What handgun is best for personal protection? Or what is the best scope for my rifle? There's only one sure answer. Come see us at Firearm Service Center, the one place to go to solve all your firearms problems. Purchase guns, ammo, holsters, and supplies. Whether it's your first firearm or your next custom-built gun, service or repair, Come see us at Firearm Service Center, Bardstown Road, in the Eastland Shopping Center, Louisville, Kentucky, or visit us on the web at firearmservice.com. For personal service, there's only one, Firearm Service Center. I'm very passionate about wildlife. That's why I've teamed up with two extremely talented and knowledgeable wildlife managers, Shane and Caleb Butler, to form a new company, Wildlife Habitat Solutions. 
Our team has more than 80 years combined experience doing habitat evaluations, food plot and warm season grass plantings, and hands-on management to make all your wildlife dreams come true. Check us out on Facebook at Wildlife Habitat Solutions or call us at 270-537-5739. Hey, we're back on Jim Strader Outdoors, and you folks know the drill. If you'd like to talk to us tonight, call us at 571 8484 1-800-444-8484. I was talking a little bit about this fall turkey season and giving some tips about busting the flocks and calling the birds back in. But there's a couple of other techniques you can use, and they're excellent, um, and it can be very, very productive. Turkeys are probably one of the most predictable creatures of habit in their daily travels about any critter I know. Here's what I mean by this. They'll tend to show up in in the places that they're using daily at about the same time within an hour, day by day, unless something, you know, big disturbs them or, or perhaps there's a big weather change. They tend to go to water in the late afternoon period at about the same time every day. Uh, the areas where they choose to roost won't vary a whole lot this period of the year because they know their preferred food sources and they roost fairly close to them. So some tips for those of you who want to partake in that, one of the best ones I can give you is if you know where those birds go to water, you have got a tremendous asset in your pocket to let you harvest a bird with almost absolute certainty. They're really habitual about the places they water, and they'll be there if you're there an hour and a half or so ahead of time, concealed in a blind or uh, hiding in some brush adjacent to that water hole. Buddy, they're an easy ambush target in a situation like that. They're also uh, very prone to use trails or field edges for travel uh, when they're going to their roosts in the evenings. You'll see them hit in the same place, fall on the edge of a large ridgetop field or uh, using a logging road to go back to their roost areas. And if you've seen them doing that, that, again, is a great place for you to be able to set up and with almost certainty know you're going to at least see some birds and have an interaction with them. So I wanted to pass that along. We were on that subject because this fall season is a great time to enjoy that kind of activity. Let's go to Steve. He's got a question for us. Yes, Steve, you're up. Hey, Jim. First time caller, long time listener. Great. Uh, I'm here in Scott County, and I, I, ain't, I haven't hunted for probably nine years. And it was just kind of inconvenient. Always for me, I get up and go to work at six o'clock every morning. And I don't want to do it on the weekends too. But a few years back, they opened a WMA up probably a mile down the road from my house. I was wondering if you knew anything about it, and if it was worth going ahead and getting back into it again. All right, are you Scott Cap- vet- Veterans. Okay. I'm not super familiar with it. Uh, I know when it was a private farm, it was a fabulous farm, but I didn't know what yeah, WMA done to it. I, I have heard good things about it, but I have no direct firsthand knowledge. What I'd encourage you to do is call the conservation officer in the county and pick his brain a bit. People tend to forget that Conservation officers, with their fairly intimate knowledge of the counties where they work, 
are very attuned to those kind of places and quite frankly in most cases are flattered that someone would call them and appreciate the kind of information they have about it. Uh, yeah, I might give it a try. Uh, well, it, it, you know, it, I haven't hunted. I've, I've continued to fish. I was wondering if you ever fished elk horn down here. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah I, I enjoy that quite a bit. Yeah, it's a marvelous resource and uh, so steeped in history. You know, Dr. James Henshaw, who's widely recognized as the father of bass fishing, he was one of the first people in this part of the United States that was really – promoting fishing for smallmouth bass and and uh that's his, that was his pet stream that was his favorite yeah, it's a fun place I've, I've spent my whole life on it it's got a lot of good fish it, it's it is great fishing although river otters have had a fairly significant impact on that body of water here in the last several years and they've been a problem on a lot of those types of streams i've seen a big family of them this year is that right well yeah. i hope in a lot of these trappers take advantage of the fact that they can trap them now and uh, utilize that resource for a little spending money and do the fishermen a favor by keeping their numbers in check. I like otters. I like to see them. But I can tell you, they can really rim-wreck small streams. They're, oh, yeah. They, South Fork is watered by a lot of horse farms. I don't know if the trappers bill get in there very much or not. Yeah, that's that's obviously a, a dilemma for a lot of yeah. folks. but. I, I've seen some real damage done by them on some of these smaller streams in the last decade or so that's not very pretty to watch, quite frankly. And no, while they've got their place, yep, while they've got their place, they definitely need to be harvested and regulated or else they can, they can rim wreck things. If you talk to the folks where they were initially plentiful in Georgia and Mississippi and Alabama, um, uh, they look at them primarily as vermin. I mean, they, yeah. they they've seen what they'll do to small ponds and small streams, and and uh, so they they need to be kept in check. There's no doubt about it. Well, Jim, thanks for the information. I enjoy your show, Steve. Thank you so much. I'm glad you finally piled in here with us. We try to be here for everybody every week, and in that regard, anytime I'm passing along some tips or opinions to you folks, we would love follow up from you to hear what, you know, the information did to hopefully help you a little bit or, or whether it didn't. You know, I obviously we take the criticism as well as the accolades on this program, and, and uh, I do my level best to give you my years of experience in the outdoors and, and pass along information that I hope bears fruit for you. And it's, uh, it's a fun thing for me, certainly, and I hope it is at your end. Let's go to Jeremy. He's calling from Floyd County. Indiana, it's got a question for us. Yes, Jeremy, welcome aboard. Thank you, Jim. Long-time listener, first-time caller. Great. I love uh, hearing from you new callers. It's it's fun for me to, to kind of think about that, and I'm, I'm hoping you're enjoying piling in here. Oh, I am, absolutely. I was just thinking about what you were uh, talking about, all the does keeping the bucks out, and uh, I've got about eight acres here in Floyd County that I hunt on. And I've hunted here for well all my life. I'm 37 years old, and that's almost all I ever see is does. But my question is, uh, I've got eight acres here, and I've got a couple permanent stands set up, and there's a water tower on the property 
they're getting ready to tear that water tower down and build an underground water tank right in front of my little honey hole where all the deer paths uh, intersect the little highway they have going on back there. I was wondering uh, what kind of maybe food plots I could put in or what kind of things I could do to their habitat to do to uh, to keep them here after they build that water tower or to draw them back in. Have they already torn the other one down? No, they're going to build a new one and then tear the other one down. I see. They haven't started on it yet, but I figure they're supposed to start on it within a couple months. I figure the way my luck rolls, it'll be about to the peak of the rut, and they'll start on the water tower. <laughs> well, <laughs> I hope that doesn't happen to you, but, uh, yeah, that should provide a unique opportunity. Will they allow you to plant that area where they remove the old one or and or the underground ones there? Uh, well, part of the agreement, because it's actually uh, my property busts up to my grandfather's property, and part of the agreement is they're going to landscape it with uh, several trees and plants of uh, of my choice. It, and I was thinking about some chestnut trees and some persimmon trees. And But where the water tower is now that they're tearing down is uh, just about maybe 7,500 feet off the road. And it's kind of in just the yard right at the edge of the woods. Well, number one, I'd get that agreement about those plantings in writing. Hint, hint, hint. (laughs) Number number two, if you can, I'd probably encourage you to put that in rotational food plots. And I would start next spring by uh, killing the vegetation and uh, going in. And you could just frost seed clover in February, a mix of ladino and red clover. I should do pretty well. You just, you know, kill the existing stuff. Is it possible to to mow that off this fall to where as you move into winter it won't be very uh, good growth? Yes, that's possible. And then I I just, unless it's providing food value, uh, I'd go ahead and kill it off. And then in February I'd go in and frost seed that in clover and put down some uh, – pelletized lime and fertilize that clover and you'll have a heck of a source of food uh, going into next year. Then okay. You, then you rotate yeah. it out in winter wheat and, and oats mixture or whatever you you know choose to next fall. And I'd, I'd flip it. I'd do half in the in the winter wheat and clover, or excuse me, the winter wheat and, and uh, uh, oats. I'd, do, I'd leave the other half in the clover and the next year I'd jump over and seed the winter wheat and clover in February to provide a nursery stock and just keep rotating back and forth. All right? Okay, okay. All right, Sounds Jeremy. Good. Thank you. Thank you, sir. I hope that's some help to you. Folks, we're pointing at the end of the program. we got to get out of here. If any of you would enjoy some real good down-and-dirty information about muzzleloading, i got a lot of great compliments about the show we did with Gary Roman last week. Uh, compliments to Gary, of course. He's an expert at it. You can always reach these broadcasts on podcast here at whas.com. Search word is straighter, S-T-R-A-D-E-R, and they're a good source of information. We hope you enjoy being able to put them in your archives and, and listen to them when you can't be with us on there. Check us out as well on Facebook at Jim Strader Outdoors and, again, on Wildlife Habitat Solutions and post your big deer pictures on awesomeantlers.com. Adios, everybody. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.